I am aware. I am a humble man. That you feel you don't belong. I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us. And we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful. And my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can't see. One lacking pain. What you we are. See, I had this really cool thing that I just did and you guys couldn't hear it because I'm a complete idiot and I forgot to, you know, turn up my mic. I'm ha. Welcome ladies and gentlemen. It feels like it's been forever. I uh I hope that uh, you are all well. Welcome to spooky season. I am uh happy it is Halloween's month that we get. Although I saw that one retail store is already putting up Christmas shit, and I'm like, you know what? About had it with your shit, Santa. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that, that's my fault. I I fucked up. It was me. Um. So, um, where have I been? Let's see if we can do a quick wrap up. Uh, I uh, after our last episode, um, I ended up taking a nine to five job. Uh, that put me through two weeks of training uh, at 80 hours. It was unpaid. I was salty as shit about it. Um, and then it took me a couple of weeks to get into a new groove for the work schedule um, to try to start blocking out, okay, when can I make time to do this at what I've already established. So I do apologize that I wasn't around, but... Uh, we're going to go back to uh, the normal swing of things, and we've got a few surprises in store along the way, too. There's some things that have been talked about, um, and uh, I can't wait until um, we can share them with you. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, not a lot. Just just work. Um, in our spare time, although because of work we haven't been for a little bit, uh, we have been working on a GTA uh, RP server. We started our own. Um, and I also, within the last week, have been working on building a website for a small business. So I've been pretty busy. That is where, thankfully, you'll see him in the chat as Sandwiches Malone. Uh, that is our researcher, Mr. Matt Roberts. I want everyone right now to give Mr. Roberts, Sandwiches Malone, a giant round of applause. Everybody cheer his name. Because he is the best damn researcher I could ask for, and he has definitely made my job a lot easier in presenting things to you guys. Um, I want you guys to appreciate the man because he does good work, and you may be getting to know him a little bit better soon. Um, still waiting to hear for sure, but 
thank you to Matt Roberts because his hard work um, went into tonight's episode. His notes, his writing it up, uh, I get to present what he has said and what I know in return, and you guys will get an awesome show. As it is spooky season, we have decided to lean in and give you something creepy. I know you all saw the, the thumbnail picture, and all you know is welcome to the ranch. The ranch, for those of you that are creepy enthusiasts, cryptid enthusiasts, um, the, those of you that like weird shit, the ranch is also known as Skinwalker Ranch. And there are a lot of people that do not like hearing the name. And uh, we will err on the side of caution and, and only use it sparingly this evening. Um, because there are those that believe that just uttering the creature's name brings bad luck and evil spirits to your doorstep. And let me tell you, I've had a year for 2023, and I'm not tempting fate, right? I do want to take a minute before we jump right in, though, to, to shout out those that are in the chat. I want to say uh, a big hello and welcome to Sean Woodgood, Sandwiches Malone, Bryce J. Rogers Music, uh, Sailor Rob, uh, Radioactive Dog, I want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. And Mike0513333. Uh, and if anyone else is in the, the chat that is not currently chatting, and I didn't shout you out, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, if you drop your name in there, I'll make sure I say your name. Because everybody likes to hear their name on the radio. Also, if you're paying attention, um, there are some new buttons and, and sounds and stuff for you to play with. Uh, if you have the scratch, that is. Um, so enjoy those. Um, some of them are spooky season related. Oh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to cover before we jump right in. This will be a two-parter. Um, we may push to three. We'll see. Um, if it feels like we're too truncated with two, we may expand upon things and do a third part. Um, I don't want anyone to feel like they're they're being rushed into compacting it all down. Um, oh, also, for right now, we have done away with the Patreon. Um, it still exists, but we are, are shutting it down content-wise for now. This was a big decision because I like having the Patreon, and I'm very grateful and thankful to everyone who has donated to the Patreon and, and kept it going for as long as they have. My issue is... Welcome on in, Froggy Does the Funkin'. Um, thank you for that follow. But uh, what I was going to say is, um, with the Patreon, the way it's come down to for me is... I don't think it's right that I'm chopping the show in half and only putting half of it out. It's not fair to the other people uh, that listen as well. Only half of it goes to YouTube. Only half of it goes to the, the podcasting sites. The only place that the full show goes is to the Patreon. 
And if we had commercials, then I could do like a commercial-free version. That might be okay. But my my issue is, is I feel like I'm cheating my listeners. And I don't want to do that. I want to stay above board with you guys. You put your faith and trust in me, and I don't want to ever feel like I'm abusing it. So as such, the Patreon for now is is going to be kind of put to the side. Um, we may be putting bonus content up there, and that kind of has to do with some of the things that I, I mentioned just a few minutes ago where we've got a couple ideas that we think would work as bonus content to give more to the show um, and, like, more things. Um we're still, like I said, working on things behind the scenes. But for right now, the Patreon is no more. So I need you guys that if you do enjoy what we're doing, please remember that you can subscribe to us here on Twitch. Um, you can use your Amazon Prime to, to subscribe to us. Um, or you can just hit the, the subscribe button and, and do it the normal way. Um, also remember that we have a merch store and stuff set up too. We are getting rid of the Patreon because we don't feel that it is giving you the best value for your dollar right now. Um, I would prefer you guys to subscribe here or to hit the merch store and buy some merch because at least then you have a tangible item. I don't pay for skins and I, I don't really pay for like cosmetic stuff in games or anything like that. I, I fully believe that if you're spending hard-earned money, you should have something to show for it. So, um, I hope you guys understand the decision. And again, those of you that have subscribed and been subscribers for a while, I thank you from the very bottom of my heart. But for right now, I feel that this is the best move for what we're doing. I think that covers everything. Dip a toe. <laughs> Who said that? Ain't nobody got to know. Just dip a toe. All right. So, without any further ado, if you're sitting there, turn the lights down low. Light up a bowl, crack a beer, and uh, make sure all the doors are locked. Because we are going to get creepy. I am the dreamer. You are the dream. It's a quote by Whitley Stryber. So, some of you pull the shades, pull the curtains. Uh, some of you will know the ranch that I'm talking about. Some of you won't. Sherman Ranch is better known by its far more sinister name. Skinwalker Ranch. It's also commonly referred to as the UFO Ranch. It is located in uh, Unitaw County in Utah. Despite its rather outwardly unassuming appearance, it is a hotbed of paranormal activity, and it has been for years. The area is known as the Unitaw Basin, where the ranch is located. It originally garnered attention in the 1970s. Uh, 
and that was due to the multitude of UFO sightings. So we decided to choose this as our next topic because it neatly tied into our last series. And there will be some names that I will mention later that you will uh, end up recognizing from our previous series. In 1996, it, was, it would be reported through the Salt Lake City Des Desert News and later, the well-known investigation journalist George Knapp would report on the strange happenings at the ranch through the Las Vegas Mercury. That's uh, an alternative weekly publication that was put out. And by alternative weekly, you guys know the, the our alternative news pamphlets and stuff like that. And like the what is always deemed subversive media. Um, and it's just publications that are willing to talk about stories sometimes that the big media won't cover for whatever reason. Knapp and uh, his, his or, uh, Knapp had a connection to the House Committee for UAPs, as did Jeremy Corbo. Uh, they both appeared at the Committee for UAPs. Um, that we've covered and while they didn't speak there they played a huge part in getting that committee hearing together <laughs> ah you in a are you in ta yeah you know what i i will butcher things and i will do the best i could it is fine don't worry uh but uh There is an amazing thing that you see when you start looking into all of these creepy, cryptid uh, conspiracy theories, I guess. They all tend to be connected in some fashion. Like, you can easily... And I mentioned this before. I mentioned this both in our... Our episode about Project Bluebeam, and I mentioned it again in the UFOs when we were talking about Blue Book, is that what ends up happening with a lot of these conspiracy theories is there's usually a shred of truth there, right? A little shred of truth. And in the case of like Bluebeam, where they were talking about, you know, projecting up in the sky and using holograms to fool the American people. What it was is it was a series of military projects that if you captain planet them together, right? Like by our powers combined, if you put them together, you could theoretically do what is theorized. Now, whether or not it would be successful in practice, who knows? But that is what I see a lot of the times when I'm looking at these. Because you got to remember, even though I believe in things like aliens and Bigfoot and, you know, whatnot, uh, I try to look at all these conspiracy theories with a, a grain of salt, right? Like, I try to look at them and see if I can find the clear nugget of truth and see how someone has expanded or somebody's because, you know, over the course of time, how people have expanded it out to this much bigger thing. 
And if I can get from point A to point Z in a semi-logical fashion, then I fully understand where they're coming from, and I'm a little more apt to believe. I, I know up until recently we didn't have really any proof, and we still don't technically have proof, right, that aliens exist. They're just saying that, you know, we're not alone. But we don't have proof. Um, the same with Bigfoot. We don't have proof that Bigfoot exists. All we have is a lot of hearsay and a lot of unexplained phenomena. And then you look into, you know, ancient legends of the indigenous folks that were on the land before us that had stories that were passed down through generations about creatures. Now, the question then becomes, are these simply folklore? Or are these genuine creatures that walk among us unseen until we run afoul of them? And that's where we find ourselves here with uh, uh, the Sherman Ranch. You know, with the, 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 the SWs, there is a lot of lore here. Give me a second. So, in 2005, Calm uh, Kellner, Ph.D., and George Knapp would go on to publish Hunt for the Skinwalker. The book chronicles their own personal strange experiences that they had at the ranch and delves into evidence of the paranormal. Now, these two men investigated for themselves. This is not... They heard a couple of stories and said, oh, okay, I'm going to write a book about it and just say that I was there. These these men investigated for themselves and had the experiences for themselves. And I think that's also something that's really important, too, is like, if you believe in something, go out and see if you can find evidence for yourself, right? Everyone has a ghost story. Right? Everyone has uh, a story about, I don't know, a dark alley that they felt like they were being watched from or, you know, a dark corner of their house that makes them feel uneasy for some reason or a random cold spot out of nowhere in a building, you know, lights flickering or things turning on that are unplugged. You know, everyone has something. And those of us that are into that sort of stuff, we're more willing to talk about it and and share our experiences with other. Those that are afraid of it are less inclined to speak out or say anything. <laughs> God damn it, Woodgood. Um, but so... We have to also be aware in cases like this, and we'll bring it up again later, but uh, the collective consciousness, right? Because each one of us has had our perception shaded by previous things that we've heard, previous stories that we've heard about aliens and Bigfoot and the Chupacabra and Mothman and 
ghosts and demons and and everything everything that isn't tangible in this world right everything that you can't touch or you can't see or experience on a daily basis uh, you know a lot of it is shaded by hearsay not even just hearsay but like not your own one-on-one point of view and uh it's it's something that we need to be aware of because we as a society are highly impressionable we are highly susceptible to outside influence even as an individual and i don't care how staunch you think think you are how set in your ways you think you are how stubborn you think you are Outside influences, peer pressure, man, will get you every time. It just depends on the subject. Anyways. So, uh, collective consciousness. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that. Um, the events ranged anywhere from cattle mutilation, UFO sightings, to cryptids and completely invisible phenomena uh, that seem to produce magnetic fields. Uh, This book has been the primary source of information for this episode. I highly recommend giving it a read, as there is only so much we can cover from the book. Jeez, you're easy to impress. Oh, Sailor Rob, thank you for that gifted sub. Um, you threw me off my game there. Freaked me out. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the, the, you, if you're into this sort of stuff, you need to, you need to pick up the book and actually read through it. Or I know there's some like Wikipedia articles that break things down or you can e-read it or whatever, but you know, if you're into it, go for it. Now they mentioned cattle mutilation. Cattle mutilation usually comes along with UFO sightings, unless you're further in the south, and then it's either a UFO sighting or a chupacabra. Hi, Skelly. UFO sightings are part and parcel, you know, with the uh, the cattle mutilation typically. Cryptids and what? I don't know if you guys heard that, but I did. Cryptids and invisible phenomena are less common when you're with uh, the UFOs and stuff like that. And unless you talk about the the feelings of energy fields and stuff like that, which, you know, magnetic fields. Um, So I guess the best way to begin is we should cover where the name Skinwalker originates. Bordering both, uh, <clears throat> bordering both the Uinta uh, or Uinta, Jesus, and Orway Indian or our our my mouth don't want to work tonight. Indian reservations. Uh, the location is steeped deeply in Native American lore. Jeez, you're easy to impress. 
Mike, thank you for that gifted sub to uh, Swifty. Uh, a skinwalker pertains to a Navajo legend that there, there are witches or shamans who have the ability to transform or possess an animal. And basically, you know, transference. You know, they, they, some know it too as, as dreamwalking. They go into a trance-like state and they're able to leave their physical form and go on a spiritual walkabout. And in this case, they're able to inhabit other creatures. These animals could be anything from what Native Americans considered tricksters, like coyotes, or animals that are supposed to represent bad omens, such as owls. On top of that, they can also possess humans. It's thought that these witches or shamans manipulate traditional magic uh, practices to gain these abilities, and these practices are frowned upon in the overall community. I'm going to change something real quick. Hold on, guys. How I have everything set up is bothering the hell out of me. All right. There we go. There are a lot of things in our world that we just don't understand. And there are a lot of things that we believe as heritage, right? Um, little idiosyncratic things like there are people that still to this day do not let their feet hang over the bed. Why? Because a monster might be under the bed. That may not be the reason that they'll tell you, but that's where it starts. You know, there are those that sleep with the light on because they're worried that there, there are boogeymen about. Monster in the closet, monster under the bed. What was that? I'm too short for my feet to hang off the bed. <laughs> Grandma's under the bed sucking toes at night. Wood good? I don't... Uh, no wood good. I don't need to know that. Please stop. <laughs> but, I, I mean, we we have entire industries that are built off the unknown. Look at it. Um, so recently, uh, because it is spooky season, we started watching horror movies. And what we first started with, I won't consider horror. We started with uh, Sims' favorite series, the Halloween Town movies. I don't consider that horror. I That's horror adjacent. Um, but then, um, after those, we watched 
her other favorite, The Conjuring. And the Conjuring is built off so much belief and perception in the paranormal. You know, of course, Hollywood adds its flair to it, but if you were to believe uh, the Warrens, all of the stuff generally happened some way that it's depicted in the the movie. You know, <laughs> Killer Clowns, I mean, we, we did see that for a while in America. Um, all of our urban legends are built off the backs of the unexplained or, you know, people's fears. Fears of the unknown, fears of, you know what they've built and perceived in their head. But there's also a lot of folklore to those fears. Like, okay, here's the question. Why are we afraid of the dark? Most people will tell you that they're afraid of uh, being alone in the dark. But realistically, what it comes down to is we're afraid of not being alone in the dark. You know, um, we've had generations upon generations of folklore added upon from, yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's uh, afraid of what is in the dark. If you look back, and I'm going to try and keep this from going too theological, but if you look back into our culture and you look at the verbiage, of some of the original texts for the Bible. And even today, the Bible, if you go to church, they will tell you it is a constant battle between light and dark, good and evil. But if you stop and think about it and go all the way back to man's creation, right? To when whether it was um, uh, uh, an entity in the sky that went and created everything, or if you believe in evolution, either way, as we started as a society, as, as cave dwellers in early civilization, we would have been afraid of the dark instinctively because the dark hides things that can hurt us and eat us. We learn not to go out and forage at night because the carnivores and the predators are out there. Nighttime is the evil. Daytime is the good. I can see everything. I can forage. I can fortify. Everything is visible. So I've often wondered if our depiction of God and the devil are not just deeply rooted in the original core belief structure of the first civilization and the relationship to the sun and the moon the light the daylight and the dark at night we have a lot of perceptions that are built up and and these lead into things and and i always try to make sure when we do episodes like this that we we explain that and we build upon that um because with that as a basic understanding, 
we can then look at things objectively and still talk about how cool they are. <laughs> uh, speaking of how cool it is, it is also appropriate, too, that uh, we are covering this because when um, my uh, old co-host Ace went on his cross-country trip, um, Utah was one of the states that he stopped at, and Sherman Ranch is one of his stops. He wasn't able to get close to it. Um, they've got gates that fence it off miles back from the ranch. However, he was able to obtain a bit of dirt from the gravel drive up to the gate, and it technically counts as the property, but uh, I have a small bit of dirt from Sherman Ranch. So, they believed it was witches and shamans possessing animals, possibly. In the culture, both good and evil magic are learned about with the latter taught to be, or taught to better understand and ward off evil. So we learn dark to fight dark. In the Navajo language, a skinwalker is called na, uh, Naruche, which roughly translates by means of it goes on all fours. Now, now that we've delved into what a skinwalker actually is, let's discuss some history around the ranch itself. Some of the strange occurrences on the property. Who, your grandmother? Was your grandmother on all fours while she was sucking your toes from underneath the bed? You're a weird dude, Woodgood. Uh, some of the strange occurrences on the property. And how that led to an extensive scientific investigation into what might actually be happening there. According to Keller, Knapp, or, uh, and the ranch's uh, odd events for a recorded 50... What? There's a word missing there, and I didn't catch it until now. Um, the ranch's odd events have been happening for over 50 years. And this is a uh, 50-year... Uh, is a, a time before the Shermans owned the property. I mean, keep in mind, the Shermans only owned... Uh, the property for, from 94 to 96. Knapp and Keller investigated or encountered almost a hundred different unexplained phenomena. Now, whether they were involved firsthand or reported to by the Shermans or hired scientists or uh, dataticians uh, that took interest, some something inexplicable was going on. When the Shermans purchased and moved onto the ranch somewhere in 1994, it was the husband Terry's idea to farm cattle. You see, he had grown up on a farm and had a vast experience with the process. He was also invested in living the hard path and forging a way for himself and his family. Good, hard-working, and you know, fortuitous type of person. He purchased a few head of cattle and calves 
and set about moving them into a fenced-in area on the property. Within a few days of settling into the new homestead, they had extremely unbelievable visitations. Now, Terry and his father were working around the ranch as Terry's family did the same. Uh, or Terry and his father, you know, performing basic maintenance around the homestead. Hammering nails, fixing doors, mending windows, or mending screens. You know, just the, the simple farm living is the life for me. What up, Mr. White? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> they weren't looking to be scared. They weren't out there trying to dig up anything weird they were just trying to fix the fucking farm as they were working terry and his father noticed something in the distance something quadrupedal and much larger than something you would see normally on the farm at this size it was massive and still 400 yards out The creature approached. This isn't a wolf. The animal described was gray with deep blue eyes. But it was twice the size of an average wolf. Almost as if a real-life dire wolf. You know, from had come upon them and imagine that imagine just being out there trying to mend a goddamn fence and you see a giant fucking four-legged creature off in the distance and you're just hoping that it doesn't decide that you look like a good package of vienna sausages and it wants a snack because I know my fat ass ain't out running something like that. If it looks that big and it's only 400 yards away, that motherfucker is going to clear ground fast. And yours truly is going to wind up snack number one. And remember, folks, you don't have to outrun the creature. You just have to outrun the people in your group that are too slow. I would definitely be one of the ones that are outran. I would be Alpo. But uh, in my opinion, there's no way two six foot six men could, with extreme hunting and animal wrangling knowledge, be able to describe it as they saw it. Or not be able to describe it as they saw it. So, we've already established. These are salt-of-the-earth people, right? These are these are men that, you know, work the land. They're good with their hands. You know, they, they believe in a hard day's labor. They've probably hunted and trapped and skinned and cooked and, you know, all that stuff. So, when they see, when they say what they saw... I'm fully willing to believe that's what they fucking saw. 
right? Like, if your uncle, who is an avid hunter, describes to you in great detail a deer that he saw, unless he's prone to uh, uh, fabrication, and he does one of those, it was this big, and, you know, unless all that shit, there's a good chance you're going to be willing to believe the 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 person that is the avid hunter who is telling you in great detail about the animal that they saw you have no reason not to no matter how fantastical it sounds unless they're they're prone to that and and i don't i don't believe that they are i i I don't believe that there's any information based on them being given to flights of fancy beyond possible belief and the, the these are just the the people that live there the shermans or the the ones that bought the sherman ranch these aren't you know knapp and keller who are the ones that truly believe so suddenly the creature begins to close the gap between itself and the sherman family with enormous gates see i told you something that goddamn big's going clear quick As it came closer, it became almost docile, taking gentle steps towards this family that must have seemed like (coughs) uh, a quarry to the creature at the time. As it slowly approached, a few family members were able to even pet it. Under the impression that it might be domesticated, the Shermans lowered their guard. Very quickly, these thoughts would be dashed and the dreams of living a simple rural farm life with it torn asunder slowly and succinctly. With their defenses lowered and an air of levity permeating the new surroundings, the beast turned its attention to a recently purchased calf. The calf seemed curious in depiction of the event or description of the event it extended its head outside of the newly erected fence to observe the strange animal that had showed up on the farm this was an extremely big mistake within moments the wolf-like creature set its jaws on the calf's head and the calf bleated in horror Terry and his father set upon the seemingly feral animal as fast as they could with punches and kicks and none of it would deter the animal as much as and as hard as they tried. So imagine the horror. Right? You saw this giant creature And it comes up to you and it's gentle as a little puppy. And then it sets eyes on your newly erected fence with your newly purchased calf. And then you have to listen to the screams of pain and horror As the calf is torn to shreds. And you're powerless. They didn't have guns with them apparently. All they had was their hands and their feet. Now I don't know about you out there. 
<clears throat> but I've owned some pretty big dogs over times, over the course of my life. And I will say this, that where dogs are some of the most loving and loyal creatures, after a certain size, I don't want to fucking fight it. Because after a certain size, that dog will, guaranteed, 100%, fuck you up every time. Because they've they've got that, that survival instinct, right? We have it too, but for them, they're fighting for their lives. And I never want to be in a position because I love dogs I love animals but I never want to be in a position where I've got to choose my life for an animals because I'm going to choose my life every time but I'm not going to feel good about it I'm not going to feel good about hurting an animal even though it it's uh it's not technically defenseless but at the same time I don't know like I would save myself from a charging bear or a charging deer or anything else just the same way that I would a dog or anything else, especially if I had a, a, a firearm. I would end or attempt to end that animal's life, but in no way would I feel good about it. I would hate that it came to that. I would hate that I had to do that. That's why I'm not a hunter, right? Like, because currently... There's no need, as I see it, for, for me to hunt, for me to take, to go out and take extra animal lives. There's tons of cows and chickens and pigs and all sorts of other animals already in the supermarket. Why do I need, in my mind, and I'm not, not saying that hunting is wrong, I'm saying it's not for me. Now, if the, the, the inverse ever happens where, you know, the society has collapsed and we, we no longer uh, can go to the grocery store or go to the meat market or go, you know, somewhere simple like that to procure sustenance, you better damn well believe I'll get a garden and I will hunt and I will trap and I will skin and I will cook because it will be a necessity. But the idea of hunting for sport for me just doesn't doesn't jive. Mm. I do love venison. I do love some some good deer sausage and, and deer jerky. But again, we're talking, Rob, <laughs> situations where we no longer have a choice. It's fine to be lazy. But in a situation that I, I described where we're no longer able to get our sustenance from our lazier sources, I, I, don't, I don't have much issue with the idea. It will suck. I will not like it. But it is my survival or theirs. And for a while, it will definitely be my survival. Unless things get bad enough and then I'm just like, you know what, what am I surviving for? What am I hoping to see on the other side of this? But yeah, so 
the the Sherman family was not able to deter the animal. Terry eventually asked for his oldest son to grab his uh, 364 Magnum. Uh, and after retrieval, Terry fired around into the beast. There was no reaction. That bullet had to be like a BB, right? Going into how big this thing sounds. The abomination still clutched the small bovine in its jaws. Terry fired several more rounds. And notices visible damage, but no physical effect to the newly perceived assailant. So they're they're shooting at this thing, and they they do see damage, but it's 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 not affecting them. Like, and it doesn't even seem to care. I've said before when it comes to horror movies and stuff like that, that the one that I think is the scariest is Freddy, and I think Freddy is the scariest because. He's fucking with you the whole time, right? Jason Voorhees, you know, Michael Myers, they they are going to stalk you and execute you. They may execute you brutally. But Freddy, man, he's mocking you while he's doing it. He's making fun of you. That, I don't know, that's always seemed scarier than the big lumbering brute. But imagine you're doing everything you can to inflict damage on something. And it's just like, ha ha. You know those uh, bop it balloons, the clowns, right? You just hit it and it just, ha ha. Yeah, it, it, it ain't doing shit. Finally, the beast begins to retreat. The only thing is, is it's, it's leaving. Like nothing's wrong with it. It's not limping. It's not whimpering. It's not even really like bleeding. It is simply walking away like nothing happened to it. At this time, Terry requests his 30 ot It's a rifle he used to hunt moose with. He lands in the, around in the creature at about 40 yards. It still walked away, seemingly unharmed, unswayed by the round a rifle uses that is strong enough to drop a moose. Now, uh, Skelly and I, we've, we've joked about this before because, you know, he, he's up there from the north, don't you know? Um, that moose are fucking huge. Like, when people see moose for the first time, they are awestruck at the size of them. And if you see one in person, you better hope you didn't. Because they're not friendly animals, from my understanding, either. They're, they're, they're pretty angry. Territorial. 
They know how big they are, and they know how big you are, and they're going to show you. So, this creature, this wolf-like creature, took a round at 40 yards that's designed to drop a moose and just like nothing just brushed it off <laughs> that would scare the shit out of me shit I probably would have been scared right off the jump after the first few rounds didn't seem to do anything to it and the wild thing is too is like this creature did not attack them. Right? Imagine you're a fucking wolf or a coyote or a mountain lion or something like that. Motherfuckers start shooting at you or and whatnot. You might run. But you also might turn around and come after them. I know in GTA, every time I fucking shoot one of them, I never have a strong enough gun to drown it in one shot. And they don't run. Not away, anyways. <laughs> they take one shot, they might stumble a little bit, and then they're still coming after you to eat you. This thing acted like it didn't care. Like it knew they couldn't hurt it. Like it, it was aware of the fact that nothing these people were going to do to it could be seen as danger. So we talked a little bit earlier about uh, collective consciousness. And I want to touch back on that. Uh, because it is an important thing that I've felt should be discussed when we talk about things of this nature, as I said earlier. And so collective consciousness is a set of shared beliefs, a set of ideas, moral attitudes, which operate as a unifying force within society. In general, it does not refer to the specifically moral conscience, but to a shared understanding of what is considered social norms. The modern concept of the of what can be considered collective consciousness include solidarity attitudes, memes, extreme behaviors like groupthink or herd behavior, and collectively shared experiences during collective rituals and dance parties. Rather than existing as separate individuals, people come together as dynamic groups to share resources and knowledge. It also has developed as a way of describing how an entire community comes together to share similar values. This has also been a term hive mind, group mind, mass mind, or social mind. Now, historically, we don't really need to get into the, the history of collective consciousness. We just needed the brief understanding of it. What it means is... I feel that way because you feel that way too. I care enough about you 
and what you think that I'm going to mimic or adopt your beliefs. When it comes to these types of things, though, that's often what ends up happening, right? Um, and that's why during the UFO stuff, it was so difficult for them to discern what was true and what wasn't. Is because you had all of the real accounts that people were giving, but then you had the impressionable types right that had their accounts that maybe they experienced something a little weird but because of the collective consciousness in the the group mind or the hive mind mentality you know i heard a strange noise so that has to be an alien because i'm out here and i saw a weird light earlier and you know others have said that they've seen aliens here in the area so that weird noise I heard has to be an alien. <laughs> and I've also brought this up too when we talk about Bigfoot. Um, because if you're not used to being out in the woods, right? Like frequently. The noises that you hear out there are going to sound extremely foreign and extremely scary. Because you don't know what's making them. So your mind just starts running with the wildest things. And then you have the, the, the concept of matrixing. <clears throat> Our brains are wired to find patterns, right? And it makes it easier for us to discern if something's a danger and something's not. Matrixing is kind of what happens to us when we're sitting in a dark room and we see the hooded jacket draped over the back of the chair, right? Like our hoodie or our uh, coat with a hood on it is draped over the back of a chair at just the right angle that the minimal amount of light in the room plus the shadows that are there plus the shape all kind of coalesce and become this monster, this entity that shouldn't be there, right? But realistically, it's just a code on the back of a fucking chair. But because of matrixing, our brain sees a shape or a pattern that it roughly recognizes and then finishes filling in the gaps so we believe that we're seeing what we're seeing. Now, this wasn't the case here, though. For them, it, it was, I believe, daylight. They were outside big giant ball of gas in the sky providing light so like you can't chalk it up to matrixing so what was it was it genuinely one of the creatures i want to get into a little bit more uh, of the 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 skinwalkers themselves uh, we already told you in the Navajo language what it translates to. Uh, the most common variety seen in horror fiction by non-Navajo people uh, is 
one of the several varieties of skinwalkers in Navajo culture. Specifically, uh, they are a type of, uh, I can't pronounce the antihini. Navajo witches, including skinwalkers, represent the antithesis of Navajo cultural values. While community leaders and cultural workers are known as medicine men and women, or by other positive terms in the community's indigenous language, witches are seen as evil, performing harmful ceremonies and manipulating magic in a perversion of the good works medicine people traditionally perform. In order to practice their good work, traditional healers may learn about both good and evil magic, and that's in order to protect against evil, as we said earlier. But people who choose to become witches are seen as corrupt. The legend of the Skinwalkers, though, is not well understood outside of Navajo culture. This is both due to a reluctance to discuss the subject with outsiders, as well as what the Cherokee Nation academic Adrian Keene says is a lack of the necessary cultural context the stories are embedded within. Traditional Navajo people are reluctant to reveal skinwalker lore to non-Navajos, or to discuss it at all among those they do not trust. Keen, founder of the website Native Appropriations, has written in response to non-Navajos incorporating the legends into their writing, and specifically the impact when J.K. Rowling did so, that when this is done, we as Native people are now opened up to a barrage of questions about these beliefs and traditions, but these are not things that need or should be discussed by outsiders at all. I'm sorry if that seems unfair, but that's how our culture survives. So typically, and you'll notice Sim isn't in the chat tonight, she wanted nothing to do with this episode, because typically to talk about them is to bring bad fortune, bad omens, hard times, uh, bad luck, I, however you, you want to, to look at it, upon yourself or the, the area that you happen to be speaking about it in. And that is not something that typically they, they wish to do. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding, and in, I say we, in what I basically mean is anyone who's not of the culture of the things that we're talking about, we have a hard time understanding why it's not for us, right? Um, classic examples of it is uh, uh, white people saying the N-word, or anyone other than black folks saying the N-word. It's not for us. And people have a hard time trying to understand why it's not for us. Why is it a word that exists that we can't say? Or why is it a topic that exists that we can't talk about? And it's simply put, it's not for us to discuss. Now, we are technically breaking that rule, but we're trying to do so in a way that educates. And through that, we're trying to convey the message that there are some topics that certain individuals just have no space to to speak on um now as for the legend itself animals associated with with witchcraft usually include tricksters 
such as uh, the coyote. Uh, we mentioned earlier that uh, they also include creatures uh, with death or bad omens, like owls. Um, there are cultural uh, folklore stories that, you know, if you see a certain type of bird, um, not an owl, but a, a, I want to say a crow or a raven or something like that, someone is going to die. If a bird gets into the house, someone is going to die. You know, they, there are tons and tons of bad omens. Hell, uh, every spiritually minded teenage girl at one point or another probably had a uh, dream catcher in their bedroom. And that is another native thing that we have taken and misused in a fashion because we we didn't take the time to understand the cultural meaning that is truly there. We we did what we do with a lot of things and we took we took the basic surface level understanding of it. It's like it's a dream catcher. It's supposed to catch all our bad dreams and keep us safe. Not understanding that there is centuries of structure behind why those exist, right? And not understanding that there are certain materials that things need to be made out of to be effective for cultural beliefs. Uh, Sailor Rob said, my mother-in-law was dying of cancer. She moved in with us. A bird got in the house. Couldn't figure out how. She died two weeks later. Uh, Sandwiches Malone said there was an experiment in the 90s used to uh, used completed crossword puzzle versus new crossword puzzle. Most subjects could fill in the blanks for the completed puzzle where the new puzzles were harder to complete. The answers weren't out there yet. Uh, cardinals are considered loved ones that have passed visiting and checking in on you. Um, there are also two... Um, I, I, I'll give you one. I had a, a weird occurrence um, after my mom had died. My mom enjoyed a specific flower, mostly the scent. Uh, Lily of the Valley. And she loved this scent. She loved this perfume. She loved the flower. But she never planted any for herself. Well couple of years after she had passed away we were outside in the backyard and we were poking around this one area near the house <coughs> trying to clean it up for you know trim back the cut back some of the the overgrowth that had happened and we cut some of it back and we noticed a small patch of flowers and I didn't recognize the flowers right off offhand. And I, I pulled out my phone and used my trusty, what are you, button. You know, all the phones have those these days. Uh, oh, oh, what the hell are you? Can't use it on people, though. Can't use it on people. You cannot take a picture of someone and be like, what the hell are you? Um, but it came back. It was Lily of the Valley. My mom didn't plant those there while she was alive. It was a couple of years after she was dead. 
I don't know of any point that she would have ever planted flowers in that spot or really in the yard at all. She had a brown thumb, unfortunately. My wife wouldn't have planted them because we didn't go out and buy bulbs or seeds or anything like that. I didn't plant them because uh, I didn't go out and buy bulbs and seeds. And I know my brother didn't plant them. But they appeared in our yard. Now, as cardinals may have maybe thought to be loved ones, I sometimes wonder if they come back and visit in different ways. Um, Sim had, I believe it's a grandmother who loved butterflies. And every so often, for no reason at all, we'll be outside and a butterfly will come and spend a minute or two circling around her. Sometimes it'll land on her. Sometimes it won't. But every so often this happens, and then it just flutters off. I believe... I believe our loved ones come to visit us in many forms, but ritual there is believed to be cardinals. Well, anyways, uh, as you said, they, they might also possess living animals or people and walk around in their bodies. Uh, SWs may be male or female. Uh, skinwalker stories told among Navajo children may be complete life and death struggles that end in either the SW or the Navajo killing the other or a partial encounter story that end in a stalemate. Encounter stories may be composed as Navajo victory stories with the SWs approaching uh, a Hogan and being scared away. So these are creatures that are steeped in the Navajo folklore that are essentially like parables, right? Uh, those of you that grew up in religious households, you heard about some of the, uh, the, the, the stars of the Bible, if you will. Um, you heard about the story of David and Goliath, right? The little man overcoming all odds and defeating the giant. You heard the story of Moses, how a simple drunk was charged with ensuring the safety of every species on the planet by building a giant boat to save them, two by two. So, we also have the stories in the Bible of uh, Lot's wife, you know, she turned around, turned into a pillar of salt. When she was told to run and don't look back. And that could be a parable for keeping, you know, one foot in front of the other and facing forward and don't worry so much about your past. Uh, we have the story of Cain slaying Abel. Uh, we have the story of Solomon having to choose whether or not to cut his son in half. You know, there, there, there are all these stories that... I look at it as nothing more than morality warnings, right? Like, 
The Bible and Aesop's fables are interchangeable in my head. And that's not a knock on Christianity, and that's not a knock on religion, and it's not a knock on cultural things. It's just, to me, they're interchangeable. It's a collection of stories filled with different morals that hopefully the people that hear them can take something positive away from them, right? Learn from the mistakes of others. Or learn to be brave by hearing about the heroism of somebody else. You know, that's also how I look at Halloween, right? Like, you you have your God-fearing people who still look at Halloween as a devil's holiday and just a, a playground of evil, a hotbed of demonic action. And realistically, the way I see... Halloween is a chance for children, young and old, even the child at heart, to dress up as something that makes them feel brave in some fashion, whether it be dressing up as the monster that scares them the most or dressing up as the character that makes them feel the strongest. And it's one night out of the year where you don't have to be so scared. You want to be because you like the haunted house, you like all that stuff. But like internally, it's the one night a year that you can pretend you're not afraid. That you can be brave, that you can be strong. You get to be the monster for a night. And you have fun with it. And maybe you're not so scared of it again. If you're terrified that there's a fucking monster hiding in your closet, well then you go to the Halloween store and you buy a monster costume. And you dress up as a monster and now you're not as afraid of them anymore. You know, or maybe... You're afraid for your family's safety, so you decide one year to dress up as Superman. You know, and for one night, you are Superman. For one night, nothing bad in your mind can happen to you or your loved ones. Despite all the stories and stuff of Superman having to, you know, save his his friends and family, more often than not, Superman comes out on top. That's how I see Halloween. Halloween is definitely needed. And I believe Halloween is needed more than, say, Christmas. Because at least on Halloween, we're building character. Mm. Anyways, non-native interpretations of skinwalker stories typically take the form of partial encounter stories on the road, where the protagonist is temporary vul- temporarily vulnerable, but then escapes from the skinwalker in a way not traditionally seen in Navajo stories. Sometimes Navajo children take European folk stories and substitute skinwalkers for generic killers like The Hook. You guys remember The Hook, right? That's the, the story of the... Uh, teenage couple that goes out to lover's lane to you know do a little heavy petting in the back seat of you know dad's buick 
and they hear noises outside the car and after a couple of times they get freaked out and they start the car the radio comes on when the radio comes on they hear that there is a psychotic killer on the loose that escaped from the insane asylum they tear ass out of the spot that they were in and get to like a gas station or a a diner or something that's well lit in the parking lot and when they get out they see the hook hanging on the door gotta love those good older good old urban legends right but what it comes down to is we just we we unfortunately hear things as a society and we'll we'll honestly delve more into the skinwalkers in the second episode but a lot of this is kind of set up and and getting your mind right so in the second part when we do the massive info dump on you you will understand um where we're coming from and, and why why we're going this way um there has been a lot of weird shit that has happened on this property as we stated earlier all the the ufo sightings all the the weird paranormal stuff it's it's all been kind of compiled and and we probably shouldn't have done this in two episodes we probably should have done it in three or four so we can really dive in and get into it but i want I want with some of these these episodes or series that we do, I want you guys to do the work if you want to know more, right? Like let me let me open the door for you. Let me introduce you to the the world. And then from there, if you want to know more, you can learn more. Because otherwise there's no reason to go investigate anything if uh, I give everything to you. But I, I I couldn't help with this one to, to, to bring it up. One, like I said, I've got the dirt on my da- desk here. Um, but the other point was it really does tie into the UFOs and stuff that we were talking about already. You know, and it's... Uh, it's a wild place. And there are a lot of interesting spots in the country, in the world, that are steeped in lore that unfortunately does get glossed over a lot of the time. And you have to understand, too, that this this ranch, the property that we're talking about, I don't know how big of a property you guys are envisioning in your head. But it it spans across 500 acres. The whole area, uh, since the days of early Spanish missionaries, swirled with rumors of strange goings-on. George Knapp was quoted as saying, It's been the site of simply unbelievable paranormal activity. Everything from UFOs to Sasquatch to cattle mutilations to psychic manifestations, you name it, the residents there have seen it. 
Now, one of the things that they'll tell you when you watch any of the paranormal shows, like if you watch like Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures, or you're into the the paranormal type movies and The Conjuring and stuff like that, the land has power. And those of you that are Magic the Gathering fans, you already know land has power. But the land has power. The land has energy. The land has a memory. And water, water is one of the biggest feeders of energy when it comes to the paranormal. We always, I always make the joke, you know, that if you wonder why things are going so poorly in the country, just remember that the United States is built on top of ancient Indian burial grounds. It's a joke. It's not meant to be offensive. But every time we've seen it in, in fiction, like uh, think of Poltergeist, right? Not only was uh, the, the pet cemetery built on top of uh, indigenous burial grounds right the entire neighborhood in the movie that they they built was built on top of a cemetery and everybody was told that the the bodies were moved and they just moved the headstones they didn't move the bodies so think about that yeah Ah, uh, 10 minute smoke break and you know this is about to be a mind fuck. But yeah, think about that. Think about the land that you walk on every day. It is older than you will ever be. Think about how many animals have run across your the same path that you're walking right not just today not just last week not just last month or last year but over the entire course of time if you really want a good mind fuck you know the Appalachian Mountains do you know I think it's Scotland is where the sister mountain range is at one point when the earth was Pangea where the Appalachian Mountains are, broke off and floated away a little bit. And so that land and the Scottish are steeped in folklore, right? The Scottish and the Irish both are steeped in folklore. tricksters uh leprechauns uh all sorts of spirits and and entities and stuff like that and now if you talk to anybody that's lived along or walked along the appalachian mountain trails they will tell you that them mountains ain't nothing to be fucked with now think about what's walked in the space that you exist in over the course of time what has lived, what has died, what has occurred in the very spot that you consider safe. 
Now, if we look at land as a, a memory foam mattress, let's, let's look at it that way. The earth that you walk on, the dirt and the soil. The dirt and the soil are very powerful. There is energy and nutrients and, and life that flourishes in that soil. Now, think about energy and how bad energy you can just feel, right? You ever walk into a room with that asshole you don't like and just feel the energy of the room change? Or you ever walk into a room in a bad mood, but like the people that are in it, their energy helps shift yours? Now think about centuries of people and events happening on every patch of ground that you walk on. How much energy is stored up there? How much memory that foam has retained? I try to have respect for my surroundings. I try not to leave the outdoors in a worse condition than I found it in, I actually do try to leave it in a better condition than I found it in. I try to have respect for the land. That's part of the reason why um, I was mentioning this earlier, um, fighting with the city about how we keep our yard. Our yard is by no means dirty or filthy, but we do believe in letting nature grow to an extent. We, we enjoy the, the foliage and the look of what others would consider overgrown because we know our, our backyard is home to squirrels, rabbits, um, birds, even the, the neighborhood cats, like the stray cats that are in the neighborhood and then the, the cats that people just let out and for the night and whatnot they they all come and hang out in our yard they hunt they live they exist we are constantly trying to disrespect the land though because we believe it is ours to tame and to control we manicure our yards we spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars on equipment and chemicals and water bills to maintain these little patches of land that we don't have any right calling our own to begin with. Because we're just borrowing it. You can't take it with you. And this land, like I said before, has been here long before us and will be here long after us. And it has a memory and it has dare I say, a soul to an extent. So when you start looking back at the history of any given plot of land, you're going to start to find occurrences, right? Almost every house that they've put on any of those, those uh, ghost hunting or haunted location shows, when you start looking into the history, you start seeing death and pain and anger and struggle throughout the history of the the area that they're in and specifically where they are 
Sometimes it's not even on their property necessarily. It's like in a field over here. But because that field over here isn't independent of the land that you're on, guess what? You got ghosts. So we have to understand that about our surroundings. We have to understand that there's a respect that needs to be paid. And this isn't like some eco-friendly bullshit. This is paying respect to the history. The history of the land, the history of every building that we're in. I don't care if it was built back in the 1800s or it was built three weeks ago. The land that it sits on earns the respect. The home or the building that sits upon it is ours to maintain, is ours to, to keep clean, but not in your conventional sense of clean, right? I mean clean of your energy and spiritually and, and whatnot. Like the house we live in, now I've got, I've got my concerns because, you know, it's older and shit falls apart. It just happens. But like so much bad shit has happened here. Just in the decade and a half uh, almost that I've lived here. Right, uh, like, and it had a weird energy from the jump when we moved in, but like, I argued with my first wife here all the time, there was tons of fighting, tons of just bad energy that neither one of us seemed to ever really truly understand, we were at each other's throat all the time, there have been terrible things that have happened where, like, my mother fell down the stairs, and, um, we had a bad storm come through and a tree crushed my mom's van. Like, all of these things seem like simple events, right? Like, simple occurrences, just happenstance, accidents, things like that. But sometimes I don't necessarily believe that. I don't necessarily believe that X, Y, or Z was an accident. I think maybe there was a, a buildup of negative energy that moved the needle one way or the other that doesn't excuse any of the things that happened or anything like that just got to remember my mother died in this house there is a overwhelming sense of sadness that doesn't seem to be able to be shook in this house no matter how good a day we are or aren't having, the spaces that we exist within have a massive effect on our physical well-being, our mental well-being, and our spiritual well-being. And I think a little bit, when it comes to the talk of the skinwalkers with the, the Navajo, I think in some way... In some roundabout, I don't quite understand it way, that those are the messages that these stories are trying to convey. Now, that doesn't mean that the entity is real or isn't real. It just means I think I understand what they meant when they said that these are our cultural things that we need to keep secret because it's, it's how our culture continues. You're going to remember... 
we, as uh, Caucasian Americans, we don't have a lot of folklore unless you come from down south. And even down south, you got to look at the areas that they're in, the Appalachian Mountains, down towards Louisiana, and then across over to Texas and whatnot. You've got your Hispanic beliefs. You've got your uh, Creole, Voodoo, and French uh, folklore there. Uh, you start moving up into like your Kentucky and Tennessee areas and whatnot. And you start getting into the Appalachians, where the Appalachians had a weird mix of people that you wouldn't believe if I told you. Um, and all of them have their own deep and rich cultural heritage we we like to make fun of the folks that live down south we like to make folk fun of folks from kentucky or tennessee is uh they can't read so well but that's that's not the case the, these people are colorful and rich and vibrant when it comes to the history of their ancestors right so um there is a lady and i can't remember what her account is right now off the top of my head there's a lady on tiktok that i follow uh, actually i started following her because sim showed her to me uh, she is trying to continue the traditions of the appalachia right? she's trying to expand upon it and basically ensure that those cultural things don't die so what's funny and then she's brought this up and i've i, I found this humorous um so y'all realize that them old southern grandmas them great grandmas them meemaws them papaws them them great meemaws and and stuff like that i don't care how religious they were they were practicing witchcraft you you do realize that right by using the farmer's almanac by <laughs> oh wait you serious let me laugh even harder <laughs> by them home remedies you know the, the the weird ones where uh put an onion in your sock if you got an ingrown toe and sleep in it you know uh oh you can't plant today because the the signs are in the the bowels you know you shouldn't plant today your crop's gonna go bad these these are beliefs that are rich and 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 thick through appalachia and your farming communities as well but see witchcraft that sounds bad because these are good god-fearing folks they believe in jesus uh. so they they packaged it in a different way and handed it to to everyone yeah it ain't nothing but witchcraft you know think about it you could buy a hamburger from uh burger king it's processed it's 
it's chemically altered it's 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 essentially just a, a fabrication right now say you go to a butcher shop and you buy the beef and you have the butcher ground it and you bring it home and you make your own hamburger you do everything to it that you would find on say a McDonald's cheeseburger so you make your patty you put on your cheese you put on your your pickles and and stuff you you cook everything you can even toast the bun if you want you can make it the exact same size you can get the exact same bun right the only difference is the meat and you don't even try to buy special meat right thing is and it's a poor comparison because everything's processed and prepackaged and you know there's very little cooking that they actually have to do but just just bear with me you will feel better eating the burger that you made yourself at home than eating the burger that is essentially filled with poison and again this is not eco uh, green or anything like that this is just kind of illustrating a point see the old folks in Appalachia and the, the Hispanic cultural uh, lore folklore and the Louisiana uh, Creole folklore and all of that they will all tell you that fresh is the best right if you can your own can and create make your own jelly and jam tastes better and you feel better than if you buy it from the store and canning is a, a a big part of their tradition too because there were long periods of time where they would go without food because the land would be sick it would not be able to give them what they need we unfortunately though as as the Caucasian race don't don't have a really steeped and rich folklore. The only thing we have is Jesus. We don't believe in the boogeyman. We don't believe in anything other than the angels, God, demons, and the devil. Those are though that's our folklore right there. But again, most people have just a very surface level understanding of it. The Skinwalkers intrigue me because not for any reason other than the fact that it does come from Native American lore. It intrigues me because those are the same individuals who have records, uh, recorded history of creatures from another world or another plane or another dimension. These are the individuals that believe that you can heighten your consciousness to a point where you can actually enter an astral plane or a spiritual plane. And I have a small penis. Good for you to know. I'm glad you can admit it. But you can enter a plane where you can commune with your ancestors and, and that's such a deeper meaning than like anything that I, I've run into in, in my own culture. 
Um, and these creatures, whether they exist or not, they exist to them. They are teachable moments. They are used as a way to pass information to a younger generation. You know, it's a, a way to spook them or keep them in line in ways. Um, but at, at the, the ranch, they have seen lights in the sky. Um, let's see. We were talking about uh, the, the giant animal. And in the weeks and months that followed, visitors to the ranch after that incident uh, reported seeing unidentifiable beasts moving in the woods that let out loud and vicious-sounding roars. And there were lights that would hover and zip across the sky, <coughs> including large orange circles and blue spheres that flew around as if directed by an unseen force. Most disturbingly, though, the animals on the ranch began to die in grotesque and gruesome ways. Some of their dogs were seemingly incinerated in the night, while cows were found dismembered and cored out with the kind of surgical precision that ruled out attacks by coyotes. These are warnings. That's that's what the indigenous tribe would, would tribes would would claim it to be is their warnings. Get out. Get off our land. Get away from our house. Leave our property. Now the cool thing is is we do have our second part that we're going to do. And I am excited because I know Matt is going to provide so much extra information. Like this was just kind of the entry point. Like let's get him in. Let's get him understanding what's going on. Uh, you know, this is, this is just the beginning of some of the stuff that uh, we're going to dive into. Uh, and then, just the start of what would lay, what is still known as Skinwalker Ranch. In the next episode, we will cover more of the encounters that journalists, scientists, paranormal investigators, and other random people uh, have dealt with in this rural area. And we really do hope that you tune in for part two because it is spooky season and it doesn't get much spookier than Skinwalker Ranch. It literally has everything. From, like we said, UFOs, cryptids, and even the men in black. And I told you they'd be back. I told you I would be talking about them again soon. But the next time you hear about something from someone else's culture that is different than your own, I want you to try to remember some of the stuff that I've said tonight. Try to refrain from going, that's weird. Or anything of the like. Try to keep an open mind and understand that though it may not be your own, 
The culture is still important and should be respected. We have often talked on the show here about peace and tolerance and understanding and trying to see things from a perspective that is not your own. We operate with the motto of come as you are, be who you are. And I would urge you all to, if you know of a culture that like you, you've come in contact with but don't know that much about, take the time to learn more. The internet is right there. Wikipedia exists. There's tons of resources. Learn about something outside of your comfort zone. Pick a folklore. Google, list of folklores. Pick one, pick two, pick three, whatever you feel comfortable with. And read about it. Because I think our biggest issue is as connected as we are through the internet and being able to talk to anybody whenever we want and and all this information we are still very isolated in our understanding of the world at large i always find it funny too like <clears throat> i have friends in the uk i have friend, friends in uh, other countries all over the world and i talk to them and when I started to learn about other cultures, my perception of my own culture and the Denzians that make up the society that I live within became so much broader. And you could tell the individuals who had actually spoke to somebody of a given culture versus those that were just kind of making it up on the fly. And it, it just... I guess expand your horizons. Think about things that you wouldn't normally think about. Look into things that you wouldn't normally think to look into. You know, if you if you think that uh, ghosts and the paranormal investigators are are bunk, look into the logic behind what they're doing. You know, listen to a few what they call EVPs, which is electronic voice phenomena. You know, tell me what you think could have made the voice tell me what you think could have uh, could have created the field that they're seeing there there's plenty of ways to debunk it but sometimes even the debunking takes a leap of faith to get to there i like when we talk about this stuff it's not always funny it's not always fucking you know, laughy jokey, and then of course at the same time we're not always super serious, but I don't know. I I'll be honest with you, I've been seeing a lot too lately 
uh, across social media is stop giving men microphones. And I really don't want to be in that camp that's considered the problem. Yeah? What happened, Rob? Rob uh, Sailor Rob said I had an EVP at my house and it was creepy as hell. I've never once tried to tell you guys what to think or even necessarily how to think. I've, I've only ever given you my point of view and understood that you will do what, with it what you will. You know what? I think you might have a while ago. Now that I think of it, you might be right, Rob. You might have sent me the video. I know I've picked up a few things over the, the course of time, too, that I couldn't quite explain. Uh, there was that haunted attraction that we were uh, friends with and doing business with for quite some time. And I was out there doing an interview with one of the, the owners at the time. We were outside, and it was only me, him, and two other people. And on the video or on the audio of the what we were doing, there was a clatter, and there was a voice. You couldn't hear what it was saying, but it was very clearly saying something. But neither of those two things happened while I was standing there in person with him. And I didn't manipulate the audio after the fact. It literally was only picked up on on the recording, and that that sent a chill up my spine. But then again, too, you you get people that have experiences, like I said, that they don't feel comfortable talking about them. They won't talk about them for any reason, and. Uh, that's because, much like how the, the indigenous and the Navajo feel, to talk about them invites the bad spirits into your home, into your life, into your self, your spiritual self. And I don't want to say that that's, that's hokum. I did approach this episode with as much caution as I possibly could. I wanted to be respectful. I didn't want to make fun of of the entity or those that had seen it or believe in it. I didn't want to invoke the wrath of an evil spirit. Uh, I am pretty sure my wife has cleansed me in my sleep uh, with sage numerous times over the course of this week. She hates the fact that I have the dirt in a jar here. She's told me numerous times since I got it, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want it in the house. That she she wants nothing to do with it. And uh, I believe that there's a way to approach it that won't um won't invoke the wrath, won't raise the ire. 
We got about 10 minutes left. I want you to know we will be back in two weeks. I believe the episode part two will be on the 18th. Um, in the meantime, if you want to hit that su subscribe button, please do. This will be up on YouTube. This will be up on all uh, podcasting platforms as well in its entirety, probably by the end of the weekend on everything. Uh, if you are so inclined, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. That don't cost you a thing. Um, we do have a merch store. Uh, you can keep an eye out for links to that. Uh, we've got a few cool designs that uh, I, I'm pretty proud of. There's a couple of things, too. Like, I need to know what you guys would like in your home. Because I have one thing that I've been thinking about putting up for sale, but I would have to do it through a different seller than I normally use. And I would only want to do a limited time of them. It is a tapestry that I, uh, I have designed and it's, it's Bigfoot sitting in the forest. And I thought it looked really cool, but like, I want to know the items that you guys would want to buy. Do you want stickers? Do you want hoodies? Do you want coffee mugs? Do you want hats? Um, do you want me to put in the time and effort to see if I can find a supplier for fucking plushies? Like, what? what is it you guys would want as a keepsake for, you know, being a member of the Cult of Odd? Um... You know, do you like ostentatious designs? Do you like more subtle and subdued designs? Uh, do you want something in a, unobtrusive? You know, where the branding with the cult written on the word cult written on it is you know minuscule and and out of sight, but you still have a really cool design. Um, I, I basically, I want to know what you guys would be willing to buy. I'm not doing fucking tattoos, Mike. I can't guarantee those would turn out well. And, um, I don't even know of a resource to make temporary tattoos. There is one thing that I really wish I could do. And I cannot find a supplier anywhere. Not the way I want to do it. Some of you that are older will remember the, the good old days of the uh, decoder rings that came in the Cracker Jack box or came in cereal boxes or, you know, the fan clubs that you could join for, like, Bozo and, and all the, the TV characters and stuff like that. I want to make a fucking decoder ring so badly. I want to make a decoder ring and build a cipher based off of it and fucking be able to send out weird little messages and shit. That is, like, the thing that I have been dying to do. Because I think it would be so neat. But all of the ones that I found that you can buy are expensive 
you can't really customize them and, and brand them and they just they're either expensive you can't brand them or they just are shitty looking but I thought like a decoder ring that you could actually fucking wear and sit there and figure out what the goddamn message I've sent out is would be neat I don't know why I'm a fucking child I think that's why I love that you guys are here. I love that so many of you are here, and I'm grateful for you all. I am. I love doing this. I hate that life sometimes gets in the way, and I can't be here as regularly as I would like. But that may change in the future. We are still finding our footing, and once we, we get in a good groove again, um, it will allow me to have a little more time to do stuff. I honestly, I work seven days a week, but I only work a, a handful of hours a day. So I have time. One of the reasons I, I haven't been streaming is because the only game that I was waiting on was Starfield. The problem is I can't play it on my computer. So I can't have OBS and all that stuff and all the, the overlay and everything with it. And my other problem is I'm fucking bored of Starfield already. I was talking to Woodgood and, and Mike and a few others today about that. And I just, I can't, I can't do it. However, City Skylines 2 is coming out and I do love me a good city builder. Um, there is a game called Robocop Rogue, Rogue City that is coming out soon that I should have the, the finances to get. So I, I might be able to do that on stream. Um, I do miss streaming, though. I do miss streaming games and, and whatnot. Um, I'm also thinking I may change our overlay and our layout here again um, for how the podcast looks. Uh, we're also thinking, and everybody encourage him, that next week... Next week, or next episode, I should say, if time will allow, Mr. Sandwiches Malone has been offered to come present the second half of Skinwalker Ranch, or uh, Welcome to the Ranch with me. And I would like him to do it. I would like all the encouragement of, in the world of uh, Mr. Sandwiches Malone to, to join me, should work and life permit. So you guys tell him that uh, you want him to be a part of part two of Welcome to the Ranch. You tell him right now. For those of you that are inclined in Discord, Sandwich Malone's is in the auditorium. If uh, you are a fan of ours and aren't already in the Discord... Uh, there's that. If uh, you are a fan of coffee and are looking for some damn good cups of coffee, I highly recommend Old Mill Coffee. Website is right there, uh, oldmillcoffee.com. Uh, that is Sailor Rob's brand uh, or, or Sailor Rob's business. 
and I will tell you that uh, it is no lie that it will be one of the best cups of coffee you have ever brewed for yourself. And I don't kid about my coffee. Also, make sure that if you're here, you take the time. Uh, Re Sean Woodgood is a streamer, a variety streamer, plays different games. He also uh, likes to brew his own beer, and occasionally you'll catch him kind of tinkering on that. Um, there's also a beer brewing game that he likes to play. Uh, and then Bryce J. Rogers Music is also a streamer. He is a musician out of Tucson, Arizona, and he does regular streams where he plays covers and originals, and he is just a, a bright, shining little personality that will brighten your day. He's also on TikTok. You can follow him there. Um, you can follow us on TikTok. We're Cult of Odd. Um... I'm trying to, to make sure I remember everything here at the end. Once again, a big thank you to Matt Roberts uh, for his diligent work researching. I really do hope that time will allow and you can actually join me for the second half um, where we can banter and talk a little bit about uh, this stuff. Um, I also am very much looking forward to the project you and Sim are working on. Um, I think that's going to be fun to do. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, take advantage of our community that we've built here. Get to know everybody. They're good people. The streamers that are here, make sure you watch their streams. You you send them uh, a follow at least so you can be alerted when they do go live. Um, absolutely love Bryce's music. He just released um, a new song. Uh, it is called Child of Divorce. It is out now where you can get your music. Um, you can find him also on uh, Facebook, uh, I believe Instagram, TikTok. Um, I believe he's on Spotify. Um, Bryce J. Rogers. Just just plug it into your Google box. But uh, I really enjoyed Child of Divorce, as I am one too. And uh, I really honestly just enjoy all of... Uh, of Bryce's work. Uh, Skelly is also a streamer. He will occasionally stream a variety of games and he also uh, occasionally will play bass on stream. So, music for you. All these people are good people. Every single one of them. I love them and I appreciate their support and I also appreciate their own content creation efforts. Uh, Mike is who I'm working with. It's me, Mike, and Sim, and uh, everyone else, including uh, Mr. Raccoon and uh, Skelly and Woodgood and, and so many others. We're, we're diligently trying to work to put together a GTA RP server. Um, yeah, I, I just I love my little network, man. 
my, my, my network of people. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for allowing me to ramble a little bit at the end. Sometimes I just need that. A little too much structure and uh, odd goes crazy. We will be back again on the 18th. Until then, in the immortal words of the Iron Sheik, good night and go fuck yourselves. Thank you for joining me.